This is Father Son Galaxy. I am Kerwin. This is Keith. Our guest is Nick Milkey, an avid Star Wars fan and content creator. He is the co-host of Podcast of the Wills, Around the Galaxy with Pete Fletzer, and Force Connect with Fletzer and Chris Ryans. He is also core organizer of Potathon, an annual event bringing together Star Wars content creators, celebrities, and the community to raise money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Since 2020, Potathon has raised nearly $40,000 for the charity. Nick Milkey, welcome to Father Sun Galaxy. I can't believe it's real. I'm really here. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is, no this is our pleasure. This has been a long time coming. Thank you so much. We are so great. So, so happy to have you here. <laughs> All right. I'm going to kick off the first question. Could you tell us a little bit of, uh, I can't speak. Can you tell us a little bit about growing up in the South as some of your favorite childhood memories? <laughs> I definitely can. And it's a little bit of an interesting story. I was actually born in Peoria, Illinois, and lived in Illinois till I was 10 years old. And when I was 10, we moved from Illinois to Selma, Alabama, of all places, which if anybody has done their history, American history, Selma had a huge role in the civil rights movement. Um, grew up and went to high school there and then moved when I went to college to Montgomery, Alabama, the other key part of the civil rights movement. Um, so it was certainly a transition to move from Illinois to Alabama and to have those cultural differences. Um, but at this point, I've lived in Alabama way more than I've lived in Illinois. I still have family there. We still visit. But growing up in the South was certainly an unusual experience, certainly encountering, you know, some of the problematic and trouble things that you hear about sometimes in the South. That was a part of growing up here, especially coming from a different part of the country, a different culture. But there's amazing food. There's amazing people we get to do. I live in a place that is three hours from Atlanta, four hours from Nashville, five hours from Louisiana or New Orleans. We're three hours from some of the best beaches in the world. Like it's a neat place to grow up. And it has really been filled with a variety of, you know, unique experiences. Certainly for me, as somebody who loves history, to have the opportunity to grow up around this kind of history and learn so much about what our country went through and is still going through, if we're being honest. But to grow up around it and learn so much about it has really been probably one of my favorite things about growing up in the South is getting to have kind of a front seat view to really get to learn directly about a lot of this history that our country has gone through. Yeah, you did mention about Selma and Montgomery. You're right. They are, uh, those two cities are instrumental in the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. I just want to, you know, say personally, I wanted to thank you. You know, I want to tell you how much I admire you because back in February, you asked me to be uh, a co-host on Force Connect with Chris mm -hmm. Ryans. Um, and this was in February during Black History Month. Right. And you um, wanted to give us, Chris and I, a forum to talk about our experiences being Star Wars fans, mm -hmm. um, you know, from our perspective. Sure. And that was very touching. You know, I don't know of any other podcaster who would even take a moment, you know, one day out of the month of February to even acknowledge um, not just us, but you also uh, talked about some of the unsung heroes of African-American mm -hmm unsung heroes uh, that you discuss related to Star Wars. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you for that because again, well, it's, you know, yeah, no one would, you know, no podcaster that I know of whatever, you know, who is, you know, 
non-black would go out of their way and just take the time and episode to talk about, uh, you know, the African-American experience. So, yeah, it, it's something I appreciate that. And you certainly by no means have to thank me for that, because all I did was pull two really awesome people together to say, hey, let's talk about Star Wars. But what it did is I can't imagine because I didn't grow up black in the United States. I didn't grow up, you know, in that era. And Star Wars was something that was unique that still spoke to both of you, despite in the first movie, there's not really a black character. We know James Earl Jones is the voice of Darth Vader, but we don't get, we get Lando in Empire Strikes Back. And really he's the only black character that we have, you know, for the next couple of movies. And so I was very fascinated to hear, you know, you guys' perspective growing up with Star Wars that way and not having, you know, we talk so much, certainly in modern culture and modern cinema, we talk about representation and we talk about how important that is. But you guys grew up in an era where that wasn't, you know, a factor. That wasn't something that we heard talked about, but still you were drawn to Star Wars and you were drawn to these stories and that fascinated me a lot. So I loved getting the opportunity to talk to you guys about that. And there are so many unsung heroes. I think we did a toast to Ashley Boone, who was one of the creators or the PR people who literally is kind of the key behind the publicity that made the first Star Wars successful. Um, and there are so many stories like that that I think are important to be told because it is the fabric not only of who or what Star Wars is, but it's the fabric of what this country is. And so to see, you know, not only to see that conversation and have that with you guys, but to see you and Keith doing what you're doing, to have Tanya be involved, you know, as y'all are creating another space for people of color to come in and share their stories and talk about their loves of, you know, all kinds of content. Like what you're doing is really special. And I was honored just to get the opportunity to hang out with you guys and certainly to call you guys friends even more. Yeah. And how much of that is due to your upbringing? Because once again, you grew up in Selma, you now currently live in Montgomery. You know about um, Black history or in the civil rights movement. Was that a, a part of the reason why you wanted to spotlight uh, the contributions given by? I certainly think it has to be a part of it because, you know, having not been born here, but I moved here at 10. That's still pretty young. But I moved here at a time when I was able to recognize the differences. And to be perfectly honest, growing up in Selma, Alabama in the late 80s and early 90s, there were still a lot of mean white people who said the same mean things to black people that they were saying in the 50s and 60s because it was culture. And this is how it's always been. And that never sat with me. That was never something that I could get behind. That was, And so I always had this sense of like, no, that's not how we treat people. My parents certainly instilled that in me and, you know, growing up and again, going to college in Montgomery, learning the history. It's always been something that I feel like I've been attuned to equality overall, whether it's race, whether it's gender, whether it's sexual orientation, like we have to treat each other better and nobody gets to be better or ranked higher or, you know, whatever the deal is. And so that's something that certainly I'm raising my daughters, you know, in that mindset because, you know, people are people. And in my personal faith, like God created all of us and he didn't create any of us to be better or more or lesser than somebody else. We're different. And that's what makes us beautiful. But absolutely growing up in Selma impacted that seeing certain things in conversations that people, you know, hearing somebody say something one time and going, my God, I can't believe they said that to them. That I would never talk to somebody that way. Like, I feel like I am sensitive and attuned to that. And 
it's just important. Like I said, there are stories that are important to be told because your your involvement and your connections with Star Wars are just as important as mine are. Talk about the beauty of living in the South. Like, where were your, some of your favorite places that you like to go when you were a child and places that mm-hmm. you go now? We, um, I grew up going camping. I'm a, I love outdoors. Um, my family, my parents had a pop-up tent camper that they'd pull behind the car and the top would go up and the sides would come out. But I had my own tent and like my siblings and my parents would sleep in the camper. But I was like, mm, I'm setting up my tent outside. I've got my own space. Um, I went backpacking a lot in high school. I'm very fortunate that, you know, as we, where we live is in the middle of some of the most beautiful, you know, we've got forests. It's, there are cities, but there's still a lot of land. It's not like, you know, if you're in Philly or New York and you have to drive a little bit to get, you know, out into the country to get, you know, away from stuff. We have a lot more outdoors. We have a lot more nature. We're close to mountains. Like I said, I'm personally not a beach person, but the Gulf Coast of Alabama is in the Gulf of Mexico are some of the most beautiful beaches in the United States. They've got that white sand. Um, so we did a lot of that and we still do that. My wife and my four daughters, we go camping. We all go tent camping together. We have a big 10 person tent and mom gets an air mattress and you know, all the comforts that she needs to be comfortable camping. But it just, I love being outside and it helps me connect to, you know, being able to be peaceful, being able to be still to calm down in the midst of the busyness of work and parenting and all the things that I have going on. But outdoors has always been something that I've always been drawn to. What was the first Star Wars movie you saw? And what were your thoughts on the film? (laughs) Well, I clearly loved it um, because, well, here I am surrounded by all my Star Wars things. Um, I believe my first memory really of seeing Star Wars is I saw Return of the Jedi in 1983 at a drive-in movie theater in central Illinois. My parents had a big station wagon. There was a drive-in movie theater right outside of town where we lived. And I just, I mean, I was five years old at the time. And I remember it was huge in this, you know, the lasers and the sounds, even on, and Keith, you won't know this, but at the drive-in theater, they had these little tiny metal boxes that you clipped to your window and the sound was not good quality, but that's where you got your sound from. And it still just consumed me and swallowed me whole. And then the other part of it was seeing, I think my dad had recorded on, beta tapes off of HBO, the first two Star Wars movies. And we just absolutely wore those tapes out and watched them every chance we got. So Empire, I mean, not Empire, Return of the Jedi was definitely the first one I remember seeing. But, you know, those other ones came right in there behind it because we were watching them at home. And it just grabbed me. It was adventure. It was excitement. It was unlike anything else I had experienced. I had grown up, my grandfather watched Westerns. My dad watched a lot of old, you know, war movies, Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, that kind of stuff. So I was familiar with all of that, but this was just, this was outer space, which was even better. And that kind of fueled me to growing up being, being obsessed with our space program and reading everything I could about it and wanting to be an astronaut and had the chance to go to space camp when I was in sixth grade. And I was very disappointed to learn that the space shuttle did not take off like it did in space camp, the movie when all those kids accidentally got launched into space. <laughs> that was a, that was a little bit of a letdown, but I yeah. survived. Yeah. Did you have um, friends that were Star Wars fans just like you? And did you get together and talk about the I film really the characters or was um, it something that you just kept to yourself? I really didn't. My dad was a sci-fi and Star Wars fan. Like he grew up and, 
he watched a lot of Star Trek, which was a big thing that I watched a lot of original Star Trek growing up and the movies and saw that stuff with him. But he also introduced me to Star Wars. So it was kind of a it was kind of an individual obsession. Like I would play Star Wars when I had the toys and I had younger siblings and I would kind of try to make them play with me, but they didn't really get it. So I'd get frustrated and say, you know, never mind, just forget it. So it really was kind of my own thing. Honestly, probably until I got into college, if I'm being honest, like because I went through that time and we talk about this all the time. We use the phrase the dark times. But after, you know, Return of the Jedi ended, we had that long period. I read the extended universe or expanded universe novels, got really into those like that was a way for me to continue Star Wars. I didn't really do the comic books. Um, But when I got to college, halfway through college was when Phantom Menace came out and it was such a big deal that that was when I started to like find people I was friends with in college that previously we had never spoken about a star war, but we were like, Holy crap, this movie's coming out. I think I'm gonna go see it. You too. Let's go together. Like it gave us a reason to both share, you know, an interest or a like in something and then becoming a grown up and or quote unquote grown up. I don't know if I still am yet working on that. Um, being able to, you know, follow that passion, reconnect with it. Really. It started, you know, I've always loved it. I've always been connected to it. But of course, when the sequel trilogy movies came back out, that reignited another excitement. And then I had the chance to go to Celebration in 2017 in Orlando with a good buddy of mine. And that just kind of opened up my eyes to this whole, you know, other big world of like, oh, there's people that love this stuff as much as I do, but I haven't really connected with them because even in that early 2017 mode, like we had social media, we had Twitter, we had all those things, but like I hadn't found my way just then into the Star Wars corner of all of that for both the the goods and the bads that you can find in there sometimes. And what led you to become a podcaster? Part of it was going to Celebration in 2017 in Orlando, but also, and I've said this a few times, but part of my story is growing up as a kid, one of the other thing, one of the million things I wanted to be, I wanted to be Indiana Jones. I wanted to be Han Solo. I wanted to be an astronaut. I also really wanted to be a radio DJ. And as a kid, I had a Fisher price tape player and had a Fisher price record player. And I would play records on my record player and I would record the DJ bits on my tape player and then like play it back and listen to it, like making my own little homemade radio shows. So 2017 rolls around. I have this great experience going to celebration, came back and talked to a friend of mine who we had gotten, we'd known each other for years, but had kind of connected over Star Wars and basically we're like, let's try and make a podcast. Like podcasting certainly existed. It wasn't new at that point, but it was not even to the level that it is now. And so we decided let's give it a shot. And we decided we were going to talk about Star Wars and this and that. And I always say, his wife's overheard us talking about it. We were at a Christmas party and she said, who do you think's going to listen to this? And our exact answer was, we don't really care. It just gives us a chance to excuse an excuse to talk about star Wars, the two of us together. If nobody listens, great. Cause we still got to hang out and talk about star Wars. So it started from there. We modeled it on, there was a podcast called Harry Potter and the sacred text. And so basically their idea was, they took all of the Harry Potter novels and they treated it like it was the Bible. So they would do essentially Bible studies for each episode, but instead of using the Bible, they used Harry Potter as their sacred text and they would pull out what are the lessons and what does it mean and how do we draw inspiration and that kind of stuff. And so my friend that I started the 
podcast with, he was a Methodist pastor. And so we thought, let's do a Star Wars version of that. So we came up with Podcast of the Wills. And as a little nod to them, we always say it was it's the podcast that treats Star Wars like a sacred text. So we did our version of that for a while. Um, in the old days of podcasting, like we did it over, it wasn't even over Zoom, it was over Skype. And we had to like, we lived in different places and we had to coordinate our schedules and like we had to do the old school recording thing of like we both had to count down so that we had a place when we sent the audio to one another to combine it together. Like there was a matching marker to it was not nearly as easy as it is now. Um, but we had a lot of fun. We did a lot of episodes where we took the movies and broke them down into parts and kind of dug into them for inspiration. We also did very typical podcast things like taking a two minute movie trailer and talking about it for two and a half hours, because that's what nerds do. Um, and then as you know, life happened and things got going, we kind of, we've, it got harder and harder for us to connect and record and make episodes. And then when the pandemic hit, I was home and through some situations with work, I was not working for that first year of pandemic and was kind of looking for something to do. And he said, look, if you want to keep going, you know, you're welcome to keep going. So I kind of ran with it and I started the live Sunday night podcast of the wills, me by myself, a live chat, a guest when I could get them and really love the opportunity to connect with the guests in the live chat. It adds so much to the show. It gives me the opportunity to kind of respond to people. Um, but just, you know, from there it picked up a little bit of speed and I had some really great opportunities to get some fun guests. I very pretty early on got Christina Ariel on, got the guys from Star Wars Minute, got um, a good friend of mine, Mari Sterling, who was in the TV show Homeland for a bunch of years, is also a Star Wars voice actor who did um, Knights of the Old Republic, um, just was able to land some people. And I kept joking. I was like, I'm the smallest podcast with the best number, best guest list of people coming in. And that kind of expanded out. And from there, I met Pete and he and I've partnered up and I've met Chris and I've made all these friends. And so to start with a Fisher price record player and a tape player in the eighties to end up where I am now with all these tools and the ability to essentially put on a podcast or a TV show, even from the corner of my garage anytime I want to, but it brought me so much family. I got to go to celebration in Anaheim the year before last and I wasn't sure when I went if I was going to be able to get into the show or not. I didn't have a ticket because I wasn't initially thinking I was even, it all just fell into place. But I even told my wife who doesn't understand any of this at all. I said, even if I don't get to go to the convention, if I get to go and meet all of these people in person for the first time and hug their necks and have a beer and sit on the back patio of a hotel and just go look at us, we made it like we're here. We get to, you know, exist, that would have been worth every bit of it, but I got to go to the show too. So that was pretty rad. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you as far as the podcasting that we do, I was very against getting into, you know, creating our mm -hmm. own podcast because I thought I really needed training. Uh, I need to go to communication school, broadcasting school before I can actually think about hosting a podcast. But, um, you know, Thanks to Tanya, you know, she you know, changed my mind. And it, it does bring you into a different type of community because mm -hmm. uh, my experience with Star Wars is, you know, outside of two of my buddies that I grew up with and we went and watched uh, some Star Wars films, 
I didn't really have anyone else to talk Star Wars with until Keith came along. But now, after starting this podcast, it's introduced me to so many people like you and Pete and Chris. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very exciting. I mean, I have never been this excited about Star Wars since I was a teenager, you know? And right. you got someone like Chris who's into the comic books and, um, you know, you know, Keith is into the, the, the Clone Wars. You know, there's just so much Star Wars now that you can talk about. Mm -hmm. And there's so much of it that you can just communicate and, and, and sit down and chat for hours about it, which is wonderful. That's right. And the, the most important thing is actually going out to the conventions now or the expos that we've been doing the last couple of years. And it's a lot of fun. And I just didn't see myself being one of these people on the stage, you know, giving a presentation. You know, that wasn't yeah. me. I never thought that would be me, but I'm having a great time. Yeah, I'm doing it. It's, it's one of those things that's so it's so special and it's so unique. And I'm so thankful that I get to do it with people like Pete and Chris, people like you, because I'm in the same boat. Like I wasn't trained for this. I've worked in the nonprofit sector for my entire career. So like I've done a bunch of public speaking. I love public speaking. It's ironic because when I was in high school, I was terrified of it. And if you told mm -hmm. me I would do it for a job and love it, I'd have laughed in your face. But I love communicating. I love speaking, but I also love learning and improving and trying to get better at it. Like Pete and I talk, I joke all the time. I talk, the only person I talk to more than my wife is Pete Fletzer. And we talk nonstop throughout the day. We text, what if we try this? What if we did like, we always want to improve even to where we give each other feedback and critique. Hey, why don't you try doing a little bit of this? Or why don't I, you know, because I want to grow and I want to get better because I want to be able to share the fun and the stories that I've encountered with other people. It's not an ego thing. I just love talking about star Wars. And if I can, you know, connect with folks and share conversations. And again, to watch you guys is totally inspiring. Keith, you're a natural man. Like every time y'all are doing shows and y'all get these amazing interviews and you get to interview the cast of, you know, Andor and all these other things, like you light it up every time. And it's so impressive. And I, I hope that your experience is, you know, maybe mirrors your dad, but maybe a little less, you know, uncertain about it because you seem to have the confidence to rock it out. So I want to talk about the SSW network. So right now, mm -hmm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So you have the SSW network and under the this umbrella, you have mm -hmm. Around the Galaxy podcast with the Wills of Force Connect. Can you walk mm -hmm. us through each one? And, you know, you talked a little bit about podcast of <laughs> the Wills. Yeah. Um, what was the reason for bringing these three podcast channels together under mm -hmm. the network. Sure. Well, and a lot of it, you know, again, I'm going to mention Pete a bunch throughout this interview because he's become one of my best friends. He's my partner in all of this, but he was one of the earlier podcasts that I found, you know, Star Wars minutes, the first Star Wars podcast I ever listened to takes me all the way back to kind of my beginnings of podcasting and listening to podcasts in general. But, when I found around the galaxy, like second or third episode, like it was pretty much early in his run. I just loved what he did. It was around the same time that I had started podcast of the wheels. And so I was constantly blowing him up over DMS, like asking questions and Hey, would you listen to this and tell me what you think? I promise you won't hurt my feelings. And the other thing that he used to do in the early days of the show is he would end it with, if you or someone, you know, would make a great guest on the round the galaxy, send me an email. Well, of course, that was an open invitation. I blew him up all the time. I was like, hey, man, I have a podcast. Let me come talk to you. And I wasn't too pushy about it, but I finally eventually wore him down. 
And when I got my chance to be on Around the Galaxy, like it was the biggest deal to me. I was like, holy cow, I've made it. That's how I feel now. I've made it being on with you guys. Um, but through that, getting to have the chance to have those conversations, we just became really good friends. And what we started to realize, especially as I transitioned into taking over Podcast of the Wheels full time by myself, I still did some of the deep dive, you know, the study episodes, but I really love doing the interviews. I really love doing the long form, get a guest on. That was a key part of our Sunday night, what I did. And the more Pete and I talked, we realized we kind of do the same show, but just with little tweaks and little things that are different. And so it's actually coming up on two years. We just talked about this the other day. We decided two years ago that we should partner up and let's, you know, initially it was let's combine and, you know, run them out of the same channel and kind of start a little network. And then from there it became, you know, around the galaxy and podcast of the wheels are so similar. Let's co-host around the galaxy together. And so what we've kind of done is we've molded this version of around the galaxy is our long form interview show. We have all these amazing guests. We get to talk to them for 45 minutes to an hour. And we always say we want around the galaxy to be what happens if two star Wars fans meet for the first time and just have a drink and a conversation. If you run into somebody at a club or a bar or a restaurant, he sees your star Wars shirt and he's like, Hey, I love that shirt. Do you like star Wars? Oh, I do. What do you love about? And 45 minutes later, you're like, look at all these things we've talked about. Um, so around the galaxy is that long form interview show. Uh, force connect is our live Friday night. We have a live chat. We jokingly call it sports talk radio, but for star Wars, we very regularly throw the link in the chat. We let our viewers call in comment on the topic of the night. Usually some of them get a little off the rails, um, you know, a little bit, a little bit of silliness sometimes on a Friday night, but it's our kind of loosey goosey hangout, have fun on a Friday night show, which kind of goes back to during the pandemic when we were doing a lot of those kind of shows because everybody was stuck at home and it felt like the opportunity to go out on a Friday night and have a drink with a friend that none of us got to have. So we all got together and did it online. Um, so that spirit has kind of, you know, persisted with just Friday night fun, hanging out live. And so what that has done for Podcast of the Wheels is Podcast of the Wheels is what I call the network deep dive show. If there's something that I really want to get granular on, if I want to take a bunch of extra time and dig into something, that's what we're using Podcast of the Wheels for. It hasn't gone away. It's just not as regular because it's kind of more of a special event. I did one this summer in June when Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny came out because the other thing I love as much as Star Wars is Indiana Jones. And so I was able to get Holly Fry and Brandon Winerdy and our good friend Raven on and the four of us nerded out about Indiana Jones for two hours. And, you know, that's kind of the mold or the role that Podcast of the Wheels has taken over. So we have three kind of distinct shows under one umbrella in what we call the SSW Network. So we added a lot of Star Wars in 2023. What was your favorite project of this year? Gosh, that's such a tough question because, I mean, here I am. Pick your favorite child. Um, I have to say, Ahsoka was phenomenal. I really, really enjoyed Ahsoka. I mean, it's hard not to say Andor too. And so if you're making me, if you're forcing me to choose Keith, which I hear you doing, um, I'm going to say Ahsoka was my favorite of this year. I really loved, I love Rebels so much. And that's not always usual for a fan of my age because Rebels was not 
designed for me. I was not the original target audience. I came to it later on after it had been on. But I adore that show. The storytelling in it, the Jedi lore that runs throughout that show is some of my favorite Star Wars storytelling period. And so to get the reunion of those characters, to get Ahsoka, who is also one of my favorite characters, um, it was just, it was everything. I loved it. Yeah. And Dad, what was your favorite? Well, okay. Well, I want to go back to Rebels. I'm a big fan of Rebels as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. not to worry about that. I, yeah. I didn't and, know. And I don't want to make anybody jealous, but yeah. I'm slated, slated at some time this week. Um, I have never purchased any of the Star Wars lightsaber hilts. I haven't been to Galaxy's Edge. Um, I don't have any of the Legends Black Series, all the different ones. Um, but thanks to a good friend of ours, Brian Fry, uh, I'm going to be receiving in the mail sometime this week the Kanan Jarrus lightsaber hilt from Galaxy's Edge. Because I said a long, I said a long time ago, if I was ever going to get a lightsaber hilt, that was the one that I wanted. What was that question, Keith? Can I have it? <laughs> that wasn't your question. <laughs> I, asked I don't know, man. Does it have a copper crystal with it? Um, I believe so. I, I'm waiting for it to arrive. Brian was going to make sure I had a blade and send it and hook me up with all the goodies. But um, awesome. I, my understanding is that it actually twists and the top comes off the way Kanan used to carry it um, as one of the functions when it doesn't have the blade in it. So I'm excited about that. That's awesome. Awesome. Wow. So, Dad, what's your favorite project of this year? Yes. And it um, can't be Andor, because that was last year. No, I understand. I understand. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so 2020, we got a lot of Star Wars, you know, first of we all. Did. Let's just say that, you know, we're, we're getting spoiled here. Um, but I I am a big fan of the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really enjoyed meeting those characters for the first time when they appeared in season seven of the Clone Wars. I thought the first season was pretty good. The second mm-hmm. season was great. Yes. Um, so it's, I, I honestly think the best storytelling from Star Wars right now is coming from animation. Mm-hmm. It's just in the, the collaboration, you know, with the writers and the uh, creative consultants getting together and they're coming up with these, these scripts and storylines. It's fantastic. You know, I, you know, got a little bit, you know, maybe tired of the, Epi- the, the mission of the week that the back right. was going on. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, it yeah. felt like the same plot line. Like, oh, everybody messed up. They're right. not getting anything. <laughs> and now Sid's gonna rant for like two minutes about how upset she is. I wonder what'll happen next episode. They're doing the same thing. Yeah. Right. Every time Tune I saw next it, week for more of this. Yeah. Every time you saw Sid, you knew it was going to be yeah, a fun I got nervous, time. Right. Yeah. Okay. What mission <laughs> is it now? But if you get past the missions, think about what happened. You know, we had the batch split up, right? Echo leaving mm-hmm. the, the group, which was fantastic. I thought that was interesting. And, and whoa. Well, not that. It, Wait, it, you're it, like, Echo's leaving the group. That's fantastic. No, no the storyline <laughs> of, of him. I, I thought it was, it, it brought tension to the group because after he left, they kind of fell apart, right? They were, they were kind of lost. And he came back. They were directional. Well, yes. They they didn't know where they were going. I also liked Omega's reaction mm-hmm. to hearing that Echo was leaving. I didn't even know Omega they had that. Crushed. Yeah, I didn't even know they had that connection together. But, you know. I just, had no clue Omega could take that much emotional damage yeah. in one hit. It was like losing, yeah. you was know, kind of a, sad. a friend, uh, uh, losing a family member. Uh, she mm-hmm. took it hard. 
but yeah, they but got past that. You know what's funny? What's that? Well, not funny, haha, but like, she's so upset, but he's coming back. He's not dead either. Well, no. no. I mean, he's still a lot. You could literally reach out to him if yeah. you wanted to talk to him. True. But, but it's not like he's going anywhere. Yeah, but it's not to say if that person's not there every single day. You know, she was used to having these guys. Yeah, but you've been on business her. trips, right? Yeah, but that's just yeah. Me, I mean, Mom and Maceo have still been here, or vice versa. Mom's been on business trips, and you, me, and Maceo were still here. Like, I mean, I'm not like, oh no, <laughs> God. All right, okay, all right. I'm not, I'm not making fun of Omega. I'm just that was quite a reaction. Well, we didn't know if Echo was coming back, right? So right. that's the difference. So if I'm going on a business trip, you know, I'm going to come back. But when Echo left, she didn't know if she was ever going to see him again. So I can understand the the reaction that she had. And, uh, you know, just, you know, seeing Tarkin on the screen and, and, mm-hmm. and Mark getting his due. Oh, and, boy. Yeah. And then, you know, we're not going to even go into what happened in the final two episodes. But oh, it was just so me. dramatic. It, mm-hmm. It's fantastic. And that twist at the yeah. very end. Of the finale, you know, I, I just can't wait to see what happens in season four. Uh, Emperor Palpatine is just the puppet master. Of course, he yeah. played Rampart so all, he, yeah. he played Rampart so well. You would have thought he was a violin, exactly. And that and that <laughs> sorry, the, the Palpatine played Rampart so well yeah. that you would have thought Rampart was a violin and Palpatine was Yo Yo Ma. Yep, very good. Nailed it. Nailed it. Finally, yes, I got did. my analogy right. Okay, yes, he I did. like it. Yeah, yeah. So. I like it. Well, and I agree with you, especially about Bad Batch, because in the pantheon of all the different things that I've watched, like I like Clone Wars fine, but Clone Wars has never necessarily been like my thing. I've said many times I kind of use Clone Wars as like a reference tool. If I was watching an episode of Rebels and they mentioned something, I'd go back and go, where do I learn about that? Oh, it's this group of episodes of Clone Wars. And so I've seen it all. I've seen it over time. But it was not something that grabbed me as much as Rebels did and compelled me to watch it from beginning to end. But we get to Clone Wars Season 7, things are different. The first four episodes with Bad Batch, they were fine. They didn't really you know, do it for me necessarily. The middle set with the Martez sisters, they were fine. Those last four with Ahsoka and Maul, that's what you know got my engine running, got me excited for the Clone Wars. And so what was so interesting to me, because when Bad Batch came out that first season, I was like, of course I'm going to watch it. I'm a Star Wars fan and a podcaster. Of course I'm going to watch it. But I was so dialed in from the first episode in a way that I wasn't those first four episodes of season seven. Like it grabbed me in a different way. I've been on board for it the whole time. I love, like you said, the relational storytelling in it as a dad and as a dad of daughters, like that family, I am so here when she gets her room on the ship and all those little parental moments when they're with cut and Sue and there's that whole, you know, thing about being a parent and these guys that have been mercenaries their whole life are trying to figure out how to deal with a child. Like there's a lot of power in that storytelling that speaks to me at a place that I'm at in my life as a dad and as a dad of of four daughters, even. Do you have a favorite project? Overruled. What are you looking forward to? Well, wait a minute. No, let's talk about you. Do you want to talk about what, what was your favorite? 
in a polite way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like Tales of the Jedi was very centered around two characters. They were good arcs, but there wasn't much else there. I still can't forgive the Bad Batch for how many plot twists and, and that they set up in the finale. Mm-hmm. I'm just completely mind-blown still. Mm-hmm. So... <clears throat> That leaves, what, Mando Season 3 to Soka? Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also have uh, Visions Season 2, Volume oh, 2. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I liked Visions, but I'm not really, I wasn't really that much into anime, and I still aren't. The only anime I really watch is One Piece. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ahsoka. I would have forgiven Ahsoka if they didn't introduce the Fallen Order lightsaber mechanics in the first episode. Yeah, that's been controversial. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I say Fallen Order mechanics is because, you know, because it's a video game that's targeted towards the same people who watch these movies and shows, they couldn't have it so that lightsabers actually do, like, they, they, they can't have it so lightsabers separate limbs. So they just don't. Okay. They just stay. Just if you do this, it just it just leaves right. like a mark on the armor. Right. So your point is with the lightsaber. We've seen people cut down with the lightsaber, and they seem to survive. You know, even the rise come, of they Skywalker. Come back to, to I, like we always forget about the rise yeah. of Skywalker. Ray force healed Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They introduced force healing. For that one scene. And then a setup and payoff at the end because Kylo and Ray traded life forces or or something. It felt really haphazarded to, to take <laughs> out Kylo Ren. Mm. Just but like, yeah, get rid back of to the Skywalker. So your your issue with the, the lightsaber, the battle between Shin and, and Sabine, when Shin took the lightsaber and impaled Sabine, but she was fine. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Like they could have just had Shin kick her into a pile of boxes or something and she <laughs> knocked out for mm-hmm. the rest for the rest of the second episode up until she just came back to life. I don't Okay, yeah, yeah. You know Yeah, I just felt I just felt it peculiar that we the the ending of episode one literally ended with Sabine just Getting completely shanked by Shin, <laughs> and then episode two, she's like in the hospital, like, eh. and Hu Yang is absolutely roasting her. If it weren't for the fact that she's healing from an injury actively, she would have been done on arrival. I mean, Hu Yang's like, in all of the thousands of years I've been teaching, your aptitude of the Force falls short of. Every Padawan I've ever seen. Wow. And I'm like, whoa! Yeah. You you have yeah. to chill. Bring in the heat. Well, you know, and we got that in Kenobi, too. The Grand Inquisitor, he got the same treatment. He got that gut, gut stab. And then all of a sudden, my favorite clip in that is when he pops up and goes, hello. <laughs> right. Now, that leaves Mando season three. Mm-hmm. I have one grievance, maybe two, I don't know. If I think of a second one, I'll tell you. But my one grievance, they should have saved the Grogu arc in the Book of Boba Fett for Mando Season 3. 
Like, have the first two episodes not have Grogu, and then have a little arc sandwiched in there where we can pick Grogu back up so it feels like that storyline paid off for a bit. Mm-hmm. Or even better, have it at the halfway mark so it feels like it has a lasting consequence. Okay. You know, so, something a little different, because I feel like if you if you don't follow the book of Boba Fett, you're not going to understand season three. Like, if you only watch... If you're a new Star Wars fan, and the only Star Wars you've watched is The Mandalorian, then you go jump from season two to season three, Grogu's back, and Pelimano lost a tooth for funsies. (laughs) Mando's got, like, a new armor, and now he's in a prostate because he took off his helmet, and he trained for the Darksaber, which he now has back. But he got expelled from the uh, he got expelled from Hogwarts. I mean, uh, the, the Mandalorian <laughs> clan. Uh, correct me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. All well, that. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Yeah. I hope Pablo Hidalgo is watching this because it sounds like Keith has a seat waiting for him on the story group to help yeah. work out some of this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Now. Right. So my, here's my thinking. Okay, but hold on. So all that information that you just gave us was in the Book of Boba Fett, right? Yeah. So what you're saying is, if you did not see the Book of Boba Fett, you go from season uh, season finale of season two, where Grogu goes to Luke to train. To season three, episode one, when Grogu's back with Din Djarin. Yeah, what, what, it's kind of it's yeah. kind of Din Djarin. <laughs> well, okay. right. And my only my only other grievance with the show, yes. the Dark Saber's rules, they just really need to be fleshed out. Like in the Clone Wars, Darth Maul challenged Pre Vizsla to a fight for the saber, but then Obi Wan Kenobi defeated Maul, but Maul didn't die. They had another fight, and then Obi-Wan did defeat him, but Maul still had the saber, but then Sabine picked up the saber and trained with it and then gave it to Bo-Katan, and while that was happening, Obi-Wan perished, and then it somehow slipped out of Bo-Katan's hands, and... And she gave it to Gideon. Yeah, I know. Yeah, slipped okay. out of Bo-Katan's hands okay. into Moff Gideon, okay. and then from Moff Gideon's hands, it went to Din Djarin, yep. and then he gave it to Bo-Katan on the technicality because he got defeated by the spider monster I built, <laughs> and then Bo-Katan defeated the spider monster. The, the issue is, I feel like it should just, the rule should just be, you have to actively challenge a person for the Darksaber to win it. Because then when Obi-Wan beats Maul, there's no technicality there. He shouldn't be able to have the Darksaber because he never explicitly challenged Maul or vice versa. Which would mean that Mando should challenge Bo-Katan. But also Paz Vizsla challenged Mando and Mm -hmm. lost, I think? Yeah, he did. Yeah, there there needs to be a call-out is what I'm hearing. It yeah, can't be just, I ran into a dude on the street and we fought and I beat him. He needs to go, hey, <laughs> I'm taking that from you. It's going to be mine. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it, it feels kind of like going into McDonald's and saying, hey, I got a small fry. If I can throw all these fries into the fryer from 50 feet back, I want a large fry when I get out of here. Like, <laughs> It just doesn't work. You can't do that. Okay. 
You don't throw French fries at somebody and say, "Give me your money." Right. Well, you, <laughs> I beat you you're talking with French about, fries. Give me your money. <laughs> you're talking about your grievances. So, is there anything that you like about what you saw this year? Here's what I really liked. Okay, here we go. Bo-Katan having a nice fleshed-out character arc. I think mm-hmm, you know good. we felt how upset she was about what happened to Moff Gideon. She got that chance to start over. Mm-hmm. And you know what else I liked? How Moff Gideon was absolutely ruthless. Like, he came out with this Beskar armor, took out Paz Vizsla, captured Mando, and then is just like, I have an army of clones to myself, you know? It's over for you. You know what else I liked? IG-11 coming back. Yes, but IG eleven turned into IG twelve when they sat Grogu in him, and then back to IG eleven once he was fully repaired. He should have been IG thirteen. But um, <laughs> yeah, I like that too. You know what else I like? Mando's dark saber arc. I feel like it's kind of fitting that he, the dark saber is heavy to him, and that he can't mm-hmm. wield it because he wasn't supposed to in the first place. Mando never wanted the dark saber. Correct. He has it because of a technicality. Bo-Katan mm-hmm. refused to take it because she knew what would happen if she did. That's how Mandalore got divided the last time. So Din decided, you know, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna get rid of this thing. I don't want it. That's why it was so yep. to him because it was a weight he didn't need to bear and didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Got it. Agree I completely. Rambling for a little too long. No, no, that's I? fine. That's fine. You want to add anything you want to add about that, Nick? I mean, Keith nailed it. His insights are perfect. I think that I think it's interesting, especially talking about that last bit, the dark saber arc with Mando, because you're right. It was a burden he didn't want, but it was also one that he realized quickly he had to be the steward of until he could figure out how to dispose of it properly or pass it on properly. He wasn't willing to just give it over. He had to make it something that he, you know, shepherded until it was the time for it to move on from him. But it's so interesting because we see, and this came up certainly during those episodes when it was heavy to him, we see uh, Sabine in Rebels when she trains with the Darksaber yeah. And she does. She has struggles, and she learns with Kanan saber combat and that kind of stuff. But she doesn't experience that same heaviness. Like she wants to lead. She wants to help her people, and so the motivation is different, which I think is so fascinating to have. It's very Arthurian legend with Excalibur and you know the sword choosing and that kind of thing. To have a character who you know is a leader but doesn't wouldn't choose to be the leader. Yeah. We see yeah. similar versions of that in other things. And Keith, you're not old enough for this, but in Game of Thrones, we get that with Jon Snow. We get, you know, he's the one that should be the king. And he says, I don't want to. And Vera says to him, that's why it should be you. Because there's a different respect. It's not power mad. It's not hungry for control. There's respect there. And Mando goes through that in his own way, while all he's also trying to do is deal with this new emotional compromise he's carrying inside of him, which is the child and the feelings and affections he's got for him too. So I love that insight. And that's really, really cool that you notice something like that. For a nerdy reference, think of it like Mjolnir. Mjolnir picks who's worthy. That's right. And those are the only people who can lift it. I'm not saying the Darksaber is a sentient weapon forged by dwarves that like is mythical, but the Darksaber, it's 
it's a trust kind of thing. If you don't want the dark, if you actively try to get rid of the dark saber, it's heavier to move. Mm-hmm. Nando literally cuts his own leg with this dark saber. Yep. Which surprised me. I yep. mean, Bacta tanks do exist, and so does Bacta spray. Mm-hmm. Spray form of that. He just took yep. Bacta tank water, put it in the bottle, and said, "Now five hundred <laughs> credits." It was point is that he didn't know how to use it. It was a burden for him. Yeah. To 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 to, to wield it and to swing it around, and that's why he accidentally cut himself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, want to talk about 2024? All right. What are you guys looking forward to in 2024? Well, I know that we I know that we have been told or there's been some breaking news just in the last couple of days that it looks like Skeleton Crew is confirmed for 2024. It also looks like the Acolyte is confirmed for 2024. Um, I think there was a new story today. And of course, this is all this has not come out of Disney's mouth, but it's come from some pretty reliable <laughs> sources. Um, it looks like Andor season two may be pushed to 2025. Um, we also got rumor that it's possible that the Ray movie may start filming in April, which is also super exciting. But of the things that seem the most likely for this next year, Acolyte, Skeleton Crew, um, it's hard for me to pick which one I'm most excited for simply because Acolyte sounds amazing. I love the idea of the concept. I am not familiar enough with High Republic to be dialed into exactly what this is. I know it's going to be the end of the High Republic and that kind of thing. Um, but I'm here for the concept. I love the idea of a, you know, kind of a thriller mystery show at the end of this time period. And Skeleton Crew, I mean, just from the descriptions, you know, it sounds like Goonies, E.T., you know, Kids Lost in Space. I have a pretty strong suspicion that it's going to be tied into the pirate that got away from Mando in season three. Um, I think he's coming back. Maybe not um, Salad the Hut, as I like to call him, but the, the Nikto pirate that got away yeah, um, I can't remember in his ship in the chase. Yeah. Vane? Yeah. Vane, that's it, yeah. Um, you know, I think he's going to show back up as part of, you know, somebody who's antagonizing or chasing these children and a part of this. And Jude Law's a cool actor, so I'm excited to see what they do with him. I, I'm so I guess be- if I'm picking, I'm picking Skeleton Crew. That's my answer. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I think I'm very excited for Skeleton Crew because Skeleton Crew, I like Stranger Things. So that's like a bunch of kids yep. who got together to... Solve a mystery. Have some wacky adventures. And I also like Scooby Doo. Well, that's why you liked Mando season three the, the because friendly stranger things, <laughs> yeah. you know. So because, <laughs> because Christopher Christopher Lloyd and Mando season three was basically a Scooby Doo villain, and I would have gotten away with it too. Yeah, exactly. it wasn't you meddling kids. You're right. You know what's you're funny? Right, yeah. Lizzo doesn't even have a name in the canon. She <laughs> just goes by the Duchess. So yeah. it's a Duchess It's a pretty legit name. <laughs> well, you know, I, I want to. Are you done? And Captain Bombardier. Yes, Bombardier. <laughs> right, Jack Black. Should have just called him Captain Bowser. <laughs> yeah, that'd work. Anything you want to say about next year? Nah, just just skeleton crew it sounds yeah. fun, but we haven't gotten much. Whereas the acolyte is built off the High Republic, but just sheerly from the. Per- from the aspect of a mystery, I think I'm excited for Skeleton Crew more. Yeah. Yep. 
Something doesn't seem right to me, Nick. All right, let me explain. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so, yeah, there's this press release that that was going around from overseas that listed just mm-hmm. the two series, Skeleton Crew and The Acolyte, which I find hard to believe that, you know, Star Wars is only going to release two series in 2024. Right. Um, I, I, mean, I don't know if I, I, like, I buy that. It's better However, than having, like, 20 years of dead air. Because, well, the problem is, well, Besides the strike, we know the strike pushed mm-hmm. things back, so sure. I can understand that. But if you look at what Marvel is releasing next year, well, I honestly don't know what they're releasing outside of uh, Deadpool. That's mm-hmm. just one film for the entire right. year. And we don't even know what they have coming up on Disney Plus next year. So it mm-hmm. seems very light of content yeah. in 2024, which I don't Agreed. think is going to bode well, well I mean, for GTA Six. What's that? Uh, Grand Theft Auto. So there's this meme going video around. Game. There's this meme going around What's like. Let's do Star Wars. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, uh, so there's this meme okay. going around like, I'm going to be a grown adult with children, a mortgage, and a Ferrari by the time GTA 6 comes out. Because the joke is that GTA 5 came out in like the 2000s. And there hasn't been a new one since. Gotcha. They just came yeah. out with a new trailer. I really don't feel like watching it, frankly. But um, I, I'd like to. I'd like to preserve my youth. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think it's for you, Keith. I'm telling you right now. But yeah. it's out. Yeah, I well, and I think to your like point as well. Years. Yeah, I think to your point as well, Carwin. I think I would be surprised if we don't get something animation also in 2024 yeah whether that's you know a late later in the year bad batch season three we know there's a tale of the jedi season two that's being worked on um you know and those things were affect were affected by the strikes differently you know the animation like everybody stopped working but we don't know necessarily at what stage you know skeleton crew or acolyte were in when they shut down they were probably in post-production so you know, that makes sense, but we know it's going to delay the movies. We know it delayed Andor, and that's probably a part of why that's going to get pushed to 25. Um, but I also don't put it past our friends at Star Wars and Lucasfilm to throw some surprises at us either. So we never know what's going to happen. Right, right. Okay. You know, I just had an idea. So, you know, you know, the Arrowverse, right? You know, the Arrowverse had like like six different shows running at a time. Like at one point we had Arrow, we had Supergirl, we had Black Lightning, we had Flash, we had Legends of Tomorrow, and we had Batwoman all at the same time. They should do something like that with Star Wars. Like take your shows like Mando, Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew, and have them run back to back on nights. We know Disney Plus is capable of doing live streams because I think they live stream Taylor Swift's concert or something. Because right. you know Disney owns ABC now. Yes. I think it's safe to assume that anything is owned by Disney by now. Just about, just as much. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure Disney's just in the. About, yeah. I'm sure Disney's in the process of acquiring Apple. No, well, I don't think so. But. Samsung will be next, right. and then Sony, and then all of the world. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, all they gotta do is conquer the military. <laughs> <laughs> just throw three billion at them and be right. like, well, "We've got more where that came from." Yeah. Well. I, I hope there's more. Right, that's that's a great point to end. Yeah, I hope there is more 
uh, where that came from because it just seems very light on content. And that's on both sides. You know, I, I can understand mm-hmm. that maybe Star Wars had more content than Marvel or Marvel had more than the other, but it seems like both of them, you know, they're not bringing much to the table next year, which well, that's not going to be, I, I don't think, subscribers are going to go for that. I'd like to point to phases one, two, and three of Marvel. Uh, phase one had like six films. It had the first two Iron Man films, Thor, Captain America, and the Avengers, and also the Incredible Hulk. So that's that's six. And then phase two had like Ant-Man, Guardians, Age of Ultron and stuff. And then moving on phase three, we had Guardians 2, Endgame, and capped off with Far From Home. And then phase four hit us with an absolute combo. We had WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Loki, What If, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk. Too much. Yeah, quite a lot. lot. And those are just shows. Then we had Eternals, Shang-Chi, No Way Home. We just got the Marvels. Like, we had a a whole lot going on. Okay. So it's okay if Marvel takes a break and just releases one movie. I think it's all right if Marvel slows down. And then this year, we also had Quantumania, Guardians 3, Secret Invasion. Understood. Okay. (laughs) So, yeah. Now, as for Star Wars, Star Wars, you know, there have been, Star Wars has been really on and off. Like, for for a franchise that started in 1977, I understand that. Because, you know, there was a gap between 83 and 99, and then there was another pause after Disney acquired um, Lucasfilm and then came out with more movies. Mm -hmm. I know there were shows in between some of these pauses and books as well, but just it was really stop and stop and start. Like once you got a trilogy, Star Wars stopped up until now, because now we have lots of other shows and movies to fill us fill us over. But um, yeah, Star Wars. They haven't really released much. Season seven already was not. Like it was, it wasn't even necessary. But they season seven of the Clone Wars. Yeah, season seven of the Clone Wars wasn't necessary, Mm -hmm. but they did it, and they blew it out of the park phenomenally. The story arc was amazing in all three arcs, especially the Siege of Mandalore one. I actually liked it. Well, we do know one thing that's coming up in twenty twenty four, Nick. Echo. Well, I wasn't talking about that, but. I just saw something drop yesterday. Good. If you could please yes, confirm. No, stay with me. Potathon. <laughs> yes, indeed. Potathon. Potathon is back. Yeah. We put Potathon on hold this year um, during the strikes. It, you know, the timing was not right. We wanted to support all of our friends who were in the Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA. They've been so gracious to us to be able to be on so many of our shows and be guests and We've really gotten to be good friends with a lot of these people, and it was important to us, certainly, that they, you know, get what they were owed and got, you know, fair contracts. And I'm so excited that they are now able to claim that and able to get back to working on things. But as a result, it put Potathon on hold for this year, um, and so we, you know, we continue to have conversations internally to figure out, you know, when do we think we wanted to get back into it, and just by one of the beauty, beautiful miracles of the calendar. Um, we like to do Potathon on a Saturday. It feels like the best day. Well, 
a certain little Star Wars day that we like to call May the 4th is a Saturday this year. So we are doing Potathon on May the 4th. We dropped a little video yesterday, kind of a tease to let everybody know. Um, we are going to be doing it once again to support the Make-A-Wish Foundation. We love supporting Make-A-Wish. Um, like you mentioned in the top of the show, this will be the fourth year that we've done Potathon. Um, and we have raised upwards of th- between thirty dollars and $40,000 over these last few years. Thanks to the amazing support of the Star Wars community, amazing guests, amazing content creators who come together to work with us to put on shows. You guys have been a part of that with us, and we are excited to do that again this year on May the 4th. Lots of exciting news will be forthcoming through the spring as we lead up to that, but we can't wait. I'm so excited to start planning and getting back into that mode. Yeah, that we'll is. We'll break out the sparkly lemonade from Wegmans. <laughs> this calls for a celebration. That's awesome. That's Thank right. You. Thank you so much. That's that's wonderful. Can't wait for that. So, oh, and guess what else? Yes. 2024, Stranger Things is final season oh, comes wow. out. Oh, wow. I hope so. I have been but sitting on the ending of season four <laughs> since 2022, literally waiting to see what happened to Eddie Munson. They did okay. him so I dirty. Don't know the okay. They did him so dirty. <laughs> no, no spoilers, please. No spoilers. Oh, yeah. By the way, guess what happens to Steve <laughs> in okay. the fifth episode? I don't want to hear it. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Nick, this has been, yes, sir. again, my pleasure, uh, our pleasure having you on this podcast. Where can people find you? Um, I am still one of the few people that are foolish enough to be hanging out on Twitter. Um, it is a bit of a dumpster fire, but, oh. you know, I've tried out some of the other ones. Yeah. Sometimes people, are. it seems like people are still on Twitter. So we're still there. You know, I, yeah, I, I'm doing the best I can. You can find me on Twitter at WillsPod. Um, honestly, the easiest way to find anything that I do that Pete does that Chris and Pete and I do together is you can go to the SSWnetwork.com. It's kind of our one-stop shop for everything we do, both content-wise, merchandise, social media, all the places we hang out. Or if you're searching just in your podcast, podcatcher, however you get your podcast, you can search for Around the Galaxy and check us out. All right. Yeah. Where can people find us, Keith? Um. Okay, everywhere we. (laughs) You can find us wherever you get your podcast. Yes. Socials are Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Farmers and Galaxy. Website farmersandgalaxy.com. Please donate to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Farmers and Galaxy. Okay, you know, I I think I'm going to stop asking you that question now because I think you just. Gotten tired of telling people where they could. Please know, check out our merch store, Fathers and Galaxy, on myspreadsup.com. Okay. Buy some merch. We have mugs for your hot cocoa and sweaters to keep you warm. You'll find us somewhere, anywhere. <laughs> okay. So, Nick. So, uh, yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. We should just put an end card at the end that says, here's everything. <laughs> right. Here, here, here we are. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Obscure hand gesture. <laughs> Before you go, Nick. Yes, sir. I know you have a tradition, you know, on your program mm-hmm. where you mm-hmm. give a toast. Yes. So we want to make sure that we do the same because we have you as our guest, our honored guest. Well, we want to raise a glass to you. Okay. Awesome. So, okay, Keith. This is lemonade, <laughs> this by is, the way. Well, this is how it works, Keith. You wait until the person gives the toast. No. And then you take a sip. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Okay, all right. So I, I just wanted to just say plastic Nick, champagne glasses. It it's okay. It's okay. 
All right. The definition. Did you say that was lemonade? <laughs> yeah. You sure? I'm sure. <laughs> right. You have right. to check that glass. Keith, <laughs> you're not driving home tonight, buddy. Uh, I, you know, Nick, once again, just thank you so much for being such a good friend and a great podcast host. Um, what you're doing is you're spreading love and joy to the community. So keep doing that. Happy holidays to you and your family. And I wish you much success in 2024. Good health, wealth, and just Prosperity. continue. Yes, and just continue to create content. May you right? live long and Thank prosper. Thank you so much. Same live to you guys. Prosper. Thank you. May the fourth be <laughs> with you. Everything else. Excelsior. Right. So thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Okay. As you finish your glass, I haven't even taken a sip yet. Nick, thank you once again. Absolutely. Right. Thank you, guys. Nick Milky. I didn't have a license before, but I certainly won't have one now. <laughs> okay. Host of Podcast of the Wills around the galaxy and first connect. Thank you so much, everyone. This was truly a pleasure. Happy holidays to you, Nick, once again. You too. Thank you all uh, for joining us. Until next time, take care. And, and we, we will, will see, see you again. again. By the way, seriously, this is Lemonade. <laughs>